be seated in the house of God. Let me just let you know, no matter what they try to shut down, we will not shut down. But we're going to ask you to do what many people in the congregation have done over the last few weeks. That if you're sick, have a fever, or a sore throat, would you stay home until you've been free from those symptoms for at least 24 hours? Can I hear an amen? Amen. We're wise like that. I remember, uh, uh, and you can open up your Bibles to Hebrews 12, 14 as we're uh, going through just some uh, family business here. I remember when the last outbreaks happened, people acted as if churches didn't know how to keep their people safe. Uh, the ones that you heard where the outbreaks were happening were before the knowledge was known. Like there was a local church, sadly, they had a lot of elderly people in their choir and they lost some of them. But uh, once we understood, just talking about this church here, once we understood there was a COVID outbreak, we asked everybody who ever had COVID to be home. And this is something that many of you uh, may not know, but I have never missed a Sunday since my salvation in November 5th, 1995, except for the two times that I had COVID over the years here. So I even stayed home. So anybody that ever said uh, Pastor Joe came with COVID, is that's a lie. I never said that. And so uh, I noticed some missing today in first service, second service, as well as last week. It ran through our home during the week, thankfully, uh, just sore throat and fever. And I pray that everyone will do well. Let's not freak out. Let's not do what our mayor has done in the past and then shut everything down and the sky is falling. We're all going to die. <laughs> uh, let's try not to be chicken little. How many have gone through flu seasons before? For, things like that. Uh, I would say this, just as your pastor and someone who's walked through this the last few years, I would say the unique thing about COVID that I just personally noticed is that it seems to be a lot more contagious than the normal flu. It's an influenza-like illness, so they're not the exact same thing, but I just noticed it's super contagious. That's what I just noticed because I have never really caught any flu throughout the years, but I've caught the COVID and I watch how fastly uh, it, it goes through a, a people group. So just be aware of that. And then the second thing is, is that sometimes the symptoms are mild, and you might just think to yourself, well, I don't have a fever, but I have a little bit of that sore throat, a little bit of, of a headache or something. Just get yourself tested if you can, or just stay away for some people, because you may be uh, spreading it. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. So a lot of times people think of me as the, the radical pastor, like as if I'm like, let's just all get sick and die and spread it to each other, and I'm a tin hat wearing conspiracy theorist that doesn't believe in vaccines. Now listen, if you don't want to ever get a vaccine, that's up to you. I didn't get this vaccine. That, that was my personal choice, but I'm, I've never been anti-vaccine. Some in the church are. We love you. We pray for you uh, to accept science whenever you want to, I guess, uh, you know, to continue on that journey that you're on. And, uh, you know, but for me, like, vaccines have been there. They've been helpful. I don't think this is the bubonic plague, though. But here's the thing that I want to I say that I've said before, and I even said this in the, uh, the New Year message of 2019 in January. You can go back and listen to it, and that is I will not be a surface-level preacher that promises you every year it's going to be your best year. And if you even remember this year, I said something very similar to that. You will lose people, and I, and I don't try to do it to be a prophet or to be a dooms and gloom person, but I always want you to know as a pastor that you will lose people unexpectedly throughout your life. And this could be a year you lose somebody you love, even your children. And this Saturday, we're going to the, uh, the wake of our former worship leader up here, Jason's son, 16 years old, died changing a tire, okay? That happens. We are, we're missing a family right now because they're burying their father in, in Florida, another 
another family from the first service buried their father just a few weeks ago. Some of you have buried your grandparents, okay? This is life. Life is full of, of, of these, these challenges. And any preacher that just makes you feel like, well, you give in the offering and you're never going to die. And you're never going to have somebody you love die. You're never going to catch a disease. That's just a lie. I believe Jesus is the healer. I believe in a hedge of protection. I believe we're to live by faith, but we're not to be uh, with our heads in the clouds thinking that bad things don't happen to good people. Can I hear an amen for that? So I just want you to know where I'm coming from. So uh, it is concerning to me that we haven't had the talk of lockdowns in a while, and then now they're possibly bringing it up, and I see how fast it's spreading. But once again, what is COVID really at this point? I feel like it's really just a fever, a sore throat, something like that. But I've also said, if you look at the scriptures, what if this, and we don't know if, if you know, when it's going to happen, but what if like something like COVID turns into the bubonic plague, the Spanish flu? What if you start seeing some things of uh, revelation start to come to pass? What are you going to do? Amen. You better be ready to serve Jesus. And I hope that you have pastors and leaders and, and, and voices around you that you trust because I will be there with you. I'm not going to have to come back and say, well, oh, you know, I didn't prepare you for this. I do believe that the rapture of the church will happen before the book of Revelation plays out in its fullness. But the Bible says that there are birth pains that come even while we're here. And then some of my favorite scholars actually believe the rapture happens all uh, happens after all of Revelation. And so, uh, like I said, if we see the Antichrist come, we see one world government in Rome, we see the chip come, I'll just say, hey, guys, we're going to scratch this off our website now uh, and just get ready to hang on for seven years, okay? Some of you are like my wife. You're like, no, Jesus, do not let that happen. I love the rapture. I believe in the rapture. You know? It's like if you could make it happen because of your belief, you would try to make it happen, you know? But, our, uh, you know, sometimes things that we want don't come about that way. And, and I was sharing this in the first service. When we're talking about the church and the doctrines of the church, we have to understand that the rapture is not a dogma. It's not a damnable doctrine if you don't receive it. So brothers and sisters, as much as we believe in it, we need to give grace to those who may uh, differ with us. But I, I would say this as well. If you look at natural disasters and how the world just looks like it's just not stable right now, whether it's the fires in Hawaii or whether it's the, the fires that we had in Canada or the earthquakes or the tsunamis, I believe God is showing us just how when he removes his hand just a little bit, what can happen upon this earth. That doesn't mean, and I want you to hear my heart here, that does not mean that when bad things happen, that is necessarily God cursing people. It's just God showing that his judgment is coming on the earth. And, and, and what I mean by that is not everybody in Hawaii is a sinner. Not everybody who suffers in a hurricane or an earthquake is a sinner. But God's judgment is coming on the land. Can I hear an amen to that? Because so many times we think to ourselves, well, God's judgment judgment means that everybody's wicked and evil. That's not true. Look in the Bible. Jeremiah was there when things went wrong in Israel. He had to endure that with the Israelites. And so this is the way I want us to imagine it. Imagine you're outside and you're under an umbrella. You're protected under that umbrella as long as you're there. But if that umbrella is removed, you're no longer protected. And we as a society, get this, even though there's a righteous remnant, but we as a society have allowed abortion in our land. The perverse to be on our highest stages, you know, even in our government, this perversion of, of homosexuality and transgender. Do you not think God's going to remove some of his hand of protection upon us? Like you, you and I think that, that forests aren't supposed to burn. Says who? Forests can burn anytime God allows it to burn. Are you guys listening? Well, the, well, the ocean, you, you're supposed to stay right there because that's where I built my house. <laughs> yeah, you're not in control of that ocean. God can say, ocean, come up a little bit right now. 
And I've been around uh, the hurricane, uh, you know, relief efforts of Katrina. I've seen many Christians come through the lines with their SUV saying, I don't even have a toothbrush. You guys have one here? Okay, and they're Christians, but their house was destroyed. But as a Christian, what they're supposed to understand is, hey, God holds in control what's happening here, and I better be ready to meet Jesus because, you know what, there's a lot going on in this world. But I do believe that he has reserved his wrath, which is a different part of his judgment. Judgment, the Bible says, is being released on the earth even right now, Romans chapter 1. But the wrath of God as uh, the wrath of God is being revealed, but the signs of God's wrath in Revelation, I should clarify, are being that the the wrath that's being revealed now is not the seven signs of judgment that are coming in the end. Can I hear an amen to that? I just want to make sure I'm being clear there. So the wrath of God can be shown now, but the seven signs of God's judgment, the angels, all of these uh, things that will be poured out, I believe that's for a special time yet ahead. And how many want to be raptured out of here? Amen. So live for Jesus and be ready because I still think that's true doctrine. I don't think it's damnable if you disagree with me. But, uh, you know, as one guy said, it will all pan out. I'm pan-tribulation. No, man, I'm hoping for the rapture. I'm not just hoping for it all to pan out. I'm hoping uh, for the pre-tribulation rapture. Can I get an amen for you if you're believing with me? Amen. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Today I'm going to talk to you about God's unshakable kingdom. We're going verse by verse here through the book of Hebrews. This is a little bit of review from last week. Let's read through it, and then we'll start with some new content today. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I just want to remind everybody this is a holy church. Uh, This is a church that believes in holiness. We may have a casual dress here. We may talk casually. We may uh, entertain ourselves in some way with, um, you know, the things of this world like uh, football and sports and other things that other holiness preachers preached against. But make no uh, doubt about it, we are a holiness church here. We believe that what God specified as sin is sin. There is no compromise there. And so some of my old school holiness preacher friends that thought going to sports was sin, I mean, that's what they thought, even though the guys do wear tights and they run around slapping each other on the button and, you know, all that. I don't think it's a sin, okay, whether it's baseball or football and all that. But but listen, they just thought it was sin because it was worldly. If it wasn't in the Bible, it was sin. And as the one preacher said, uh, the reason why I'm fat and a preacher is because I was told as a Christian all I could do is go to church and then come home and eat. That's why I'm a fat preacher now. Okay, there's a little, little joke in there, but, uh, you know, that's all they thought they could do. Okay, but listen, those of my friends who came from that tradition there's nothing, there's nothing in Scripture to back that up. So in other words, they added to Scripture, not, not intending to be pharisaical, but it was pharisaical in nature to try to add things to the things of God. I don't think that that meant they went to hell. And if you were raised that way and you knew your parents still loved you, you were still raised well, okay? But um, that generation taught that if women wore pants or if they cut their hair, they weren't holy, or if they went to any kind of movie, it didn't matter what it was, any kind of movie, or even if they owned a TV, this was not holiness. I don't even know. Know if I, I mean, is anybody here relating to this? Anybody even know anybody like this? Maybe one or two of us, me and this brother here. Okay, God bless you. You did as well. Okay, this would have been more popular if I would have been preaching 10, maybe uh, not even 10, maybe 20 years ago. If you were brought up in the 50s and 60s or came from that, many of you, this is your first church, and I, I know that uh, we're your first church in the sense of teaching you these things. So it, it's, it's uh, like you take our word for it. But I want you to understand holiness preaching uh, became what was known as clothesline preaching, and that means there was a certain dress code, there was a certain music, there was a certain form of entertainment. Now, 
that doesn't mean God didn't use it. So when you look back on those generations, we got to be careful if we criticize them and say they were bad. See, I recognize that things started changing in the church when my friends who came up out of that generation, who, who were basically raised by boomers, in other words, okay? When my friends started coming up out of that saying, well, I was raised like this, and I was raised like this, and now I can do this, and now I can do that. I was always like, hey, you need to be careful with this. Because even though you're right that this was not explicitly taught in the scripture, their hearts were right. They wanted to guard their children from worldliness. And so now look at what happened from those who were raised now uh, from the next generation that came out of that. Look at now their children. In other words, look at people that are younger than me in their 20s or 30s who came from you know families like myself. Are they as holy as the previous generations like their parents or grandparents were? No, so it actually kept them. You see, even though it was strict, and I don't personally prefer it, if you notice the method of it, it kept them. Now, my personal method for holiness is to teach you what the Bible says and then to put the fear of God in you there. In other words, I don't have to add to it, but I just need to teach you exactly what it says. So as we did last week, I went through those commands, sexual immorality, as Paul talks about, that sex outside of marriage with the same gender or uh, a different gender, that sex with yourself, that's pornography. The Bible says you cannot do that and enter the kingdom of heaven. Can I hear an amen? See, we teach that here. We teach that bitterness as well as wrath and brawling and those kinds of things. That person's heart that's filled with that cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We also taught that witchcraft, even as pharmacia, the use and administering of drugs for the changing of one's mind, not for medicine. You know, sometimes they say, oh man, he gave every seed bearing herb for us, preacher, that's why I'm using it. No, he didn't give you the herb to get high to change your mind. He did that so that when you're getting a surgery and before he cut out your appendix, you can be out of it for a little bit. Amen? That, that doesn't mean you now do it for recreation. Those strong drugs were not meant to be a part of your daily lifestyle to change your life. That is not having a sober mind. and opens you up to the enemy. Okay, so we taught, taught about that here, and we'll continue to teach. So with, without holiness, the Bible says, no one will see the Lord. And now today in our generation, holiness is not taught. I just want, I just want you to hear that. Uh, and in most churches today, holiness is not taught. I can't remember the last time I follow a few big-name preachers where they talk messages on holiness. Most of the time, what they talk about is practical living. They'll talk about how to get along with your neighbor, how to get along with your children. Uh, the, the past summer that just passed here, a lot of people did summer at the movies. Did anybody see churches doing that, summer at the movies? A few of you. And then they took one from, like, Toy Story. The pastor actually dressed up like Woody. And then the, 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 the wife dressed up like my, my wife here, dressing up like the one with the bonnet. What was the one that Woody was with? They had the Bobo Peep, Little Bo Peep, Bobo Peep, Little Bo Peep. There we go. Little Bo Peep, am I saying it right now, you guys? Okay, okay, I got the pass. Thank you for giving me the pass. I mean, if you ever see me dress up like Woody from Toy Story and my wife dress up like Little Bo Peep on a Sunday, just turn right back around, amen? Just turn right back around and just go find a real church. Just say, no, we're out of here. 
No, but think about that. that. That's what the churches do now. Hey, man, let, let's do a summer at the movies. And, and let me just say this. I get that for what it is. Let's just not call it Sunday church, though. Like, if you want to do a podcast like that or you want to do something like that for our children, I get it. But if you want to come together on the Lord's Day, break open the word, as the Bible says, the saints come together and your time is precious to hear the word of the Lord, it's important that you get the word. Amen? You don't need a movie. You don't need any of that. And my point in saying that is, is that I can't think of, as I'm just going through the Rolodex of my mind, the last time I've heard a good holiness message from churches that are, are, are pretty large in our city, even around this country right now. And, and, it's, and it's a problem. And you can tell when you meet their members. They don't know anything about holiness. They don't live holy. They talk, they talk however they want to talk. They live however they want to live. I meet people from some of the largest churches. This doesn't mean I don't love these preachers. Don't hear me wrong now today. I'm not saying I'm the only one at all. I'm just saying a, lo a lot of the members that go to these churches are living in adultery. There was, a, there was a person living in adultery to the church I used to pastor. He was there before I got there, uh, living in adultery with his uh, girlfriend. And he heard me preach one message like this. Somebody say one message. One message, and then he asked me to marry him after a Sunday service. And I'm not going to point some of the, those out here today, but we have some new married couples in this church. Amen? They hear the word, and they go get married. Well, the only reason why that happens is because somebody gave them the word. If you don't hear the word and you've been going to church after church and you've been sitting there week after, then what, what are you learning? Come on, somebody. And, and that, that's why sometimes people get mad at me and they say, well, I brought my friends here. They're not living together. Now they don't want to come back anymore. Why do you look at that as a bad thing? At least now they know they're going to hell. Amen. Don't you think they should know where they're going when they die? I mean, it would be cruel for me to preach and then not know where they're going, you know, for not, not to tell them. That's like part of my job description. Who are you to judge? I'm your pastor. It is definitely my job to judge. If it is not the pastor's job to tell you who's going to heaven or hell, then whose job is it? Well, I'm going to wait for the archangel Michael to tell me that. You'll be waiting for a long time, you stubborn sinner, you. Listen, God sent preachers to tell you what the word is. Amen? Just turn there quickly with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is what we're dealing with. And the Bible says it clearly right there in Hebrews. I'm not even past the introduction yet. we got to get to the message. Somebody say unshakable kingdom. Amen. Last week we learned about having peace with God, you know, living in holiness. But I just want everybody to see this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. Now I want you to understand, no preacher is ever that judge. But every preacher is on behalf of the judge making judgments, meaning we're calling out the sins. Otherwise, what could we ever talk about? It's like, you, you know, you come into your trainer, and then he says, you, got, you gained weight. Wait, what have you been doing? Who are you to judge me? Well, last time I checked, I thought I was your trainer, and you were paying me to look at the scale when you stepped on it. Or you just want the trainer when you step on the scale, they just look away. Okay, is it, is it okay now? Can I look now? No, a trainer cares about what you've been eating during the week. And pray for me. i got to drop about 20 to get to that six-pack before the summer's over. <laughs> how, many, how many more weeks I got until September something, to Labor Day, whatever? Is it Memorial Day? That's Labor Day, right? And is it next week or two weeks? Oh, i got to go on one of those quick Hollywood diets then. i got to drop 20. That was my goal this summer, y'all. I wanted to have a six-pack. It did not happen. Pray for your preacher. So listen, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Talk about what they talk about on talk shows. Do a radio show on Sundays. Do summer at the movies. Is that what it says? No, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Just tell people what they want. No, correct. Rebuke and encourage. 
with great patience and careful instruction. You should read one of the reviews that we have on Google. The woman said, I was just so offended at that church. He was talking about all kinds of people and all kinds of sin. And the people in the congregation kept clapping, saying amen. <laughs> it made me laugh because I was like, okay, now you got it. This is God's house. We God's people. We shout for the things of God. We don't shout for Drake, Taylor Smith, Swift. We don't shout for that. We shout for the word of God. And it wouldn't matter if I was the one preaching or we had somebody else up here preaching. If it comes from the word of God, we say amen to it. Amen? For the time will come, and we're living in it right now, where people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. One of these young men has a podcast. His name is Ruslan. And uh, he was invited onto another podcast that had some of these OnlyFans on there. And this one guy uh, whose wife does uh, OnlyFans pornography, and she just had sex with this African-American man, and it made the big news on the who's who there of YouTube pornography stuff. And he's there with Lila Rose talking about Jesus. Anybody know this show or what I'm talking about here? Am I the only one doing these things? Pray for me because I do watch these kinds of things, okay? So he put it up there. I'm not watching that original show. I'm watching Ruslan go on this show with Lila Rose, the pro-life um, advocate. And so while uh, they're on there, this man and wife talk about how when he shares his woman with another man to have sex with them on camera, that turns him on. He likes that. Now, this is, young people, you hear this all the time. I'm not being too perverse for you. I'm just telling you what is going to pop up on YouTube when you turn it on. And when this man, Ruslan, preached to them and said, well, what about your kids and what about this? They said, well, our kids will be happy because they make a lot of money. They can shed tears, but they'll do it in a Porsche. And, and then, they, then he said, well, what about y'all getting along, building a better culture and society? Well, society's starting to see it the way we see it. So Ruslan was going on and on and on. I just wanted to say, Ruslan, give me the mic, man. It's my turn now. How about y'all going to hell? You want that? Put your hand, you over there. Go get a match. Put it over their hand for about 30 seconds and see how good they're feeling. Do you want that over your body for all of eternity? Somebody say, hell, somebody say hellfire. Somebody say holiness or hell. I'm not here to argue about over their desire. A sinner will tell you how much fun sin is. We're coming out of a post-Christian culture. You can't use those examples anymore. Well, you know, pornography just makes you feel bad, makes you feel, and it will have its own, uh, its own issues with your brain, and we've already studied that. But there will be some that say, well, I, do, I look at porn and I'm fine. You tell others, well, you commit adultery, you're going to ruin your family. But then there's others that say, well, I figured out a way to keep my family and adultery because we both do it. We're a swinging polyamorous couple. Do you see how the world is? Not everyone today has a tear in their beard. Not everyone is secretly depressed. There are some happy sinners out there. How many have met a happy sinner or two? There's not too many, but I'm saying you'll meet them out there. I'm happy being a sinner. And I don't even think they're lying. Now, I still believe that their sin will catch up to them. But understand this today. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but then in the end it leads to death. The Bible says the pleasures of sin are fleeting. So, brothers and sisters, don't be deceived by desires. Oh, it, it looks good, it smells good, it tastes good. Yeah, so, so does all that ice cream I've been eating all this summer. But how many know there's a penalty for it now? Can I hear an amen? There's a penalty, man. If you would have asked me when I was eating it, does it hurt? Does it hurt when you eat it, Pastor? Does it hurt? No, it feels good. Do you feel bad about yourself? No, not right now. I feel good because I was getting that sugar high. Getting some of that chocolate chip cookie dough, that's my favorite. Some of y'all looking at me knowing you can relate. Come on. 
say amen or oh my, but it's coming. It's tight, but it's right. Now listen, brothers and sisters, now I pay the penalty. I woke up today, weighed myself, and I said, God have mercy. Not only have I not lost this summer, I've gained this summer. How is that even possible? Seriously, man. See, that's what the world is like. They don't get it. They're, 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 they're eating in all of their sin, and they don't think there's a day of reckoning to get on that scale of judgment, and it's coming. Going back to our passage today, what does it say? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. No one. I won't see him. You won't see him. That means to be in his presence. So, brothers or sisters, write down Galatians chapter 5. Write down Colossians 2 and 3, Ephesians chapter 3 and 4. Write down those passages, and you make sure you go through those lists. Let's just go through one today. I went through Galatians 5 with you before. I went through Colossians. Now let's go to Ephesians. Let me give you another sin list. How many can handle another sin list today? Amen. Half of you, what about the rest of you? You up today? Amen. Rona ain't got you yet, right? You're here, amen? Come on, somebody say amen. Let's get a sin list out of Ephesians now. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Notice Paul once again starting off with sexual immorality. That's one of the first things he always starts off with because it's so popular and it feels so good. Don't ever think that every sin is going to hurt. Some sins will feel good, but remember, their penalty is death. Let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's what kind of people? Holy people. Oh, no, man, nobody's perfect, Pastor. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says after you come into Christ, now you're a holy person. Now you're perfect like Christ. That's your default. Keep it. Amen? You see, right now, let's say I've cleared off all your debt. Let's say somebody had enough money to do that for all of us. It cleared off all your mortgage, your car payment, everything. Cleared it off. You're going to go run back out here and get into debt now? No, you're perfectly out of debt. That's how the Bible says a born-again Christian starts off. You don't start off born again as a sinner. You start off born again now as a, sta- as a saint. Your slate is clear. You're perfect in Christ, the Bible says. That's why he now commands you be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. From this point forward, there is no excuse for your sin. Now, do I believe that Christians can sin and be forgiven? Absolutely. I don't teach that you have to be sinless in perfection to get to heaven. Otherwise, you'd be getting born again, again, and again. We'd be baptizing you every day like you take a shower. Amen? Amen. We don't have to be born again and again and again. No, no. Once you're born again and you stay true to God, you're going to stay in that as long as you want to be there unless you leave because of unbelief. Few have done that in the Bible, so you don't lose salvation like my wife loses her phone. It's not an accident. It's an intentional walking away from God. John 15, getting cut off. We're in the book of Hebrews. There's five warnings. You're going to hear another one today. Okay? But listen, once you're in Christ and you have faith to stay, he can deal with your sin. He just won't deal with your rebellion. If you're rebellious, you get cut off, but if you're humble in your sin, you'll be forgiven. How many of you since being a Christian have humbled yourself after you sinned and been forgiven? That's who I'm talking about. Now that you are made sinless, you now start to sin less. Now that you are in Christ made perfect, you learn to live perfect. Because you be holy, now you learn how to do holy. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thank you for helping me preach. Now get it. This is not proper for God's holy people. So we can't make an excuse. Nobody's holy. Nobody's perfect. We can do whatever we want. No, our debts have been paid. Our sins have been cleared. Now this is how we're supposed to live. Go to verse 4. Nor should there be obscenity. 
So watch what you watch. Watch what you're looking at at YouTube. That's why when those videos come up, I only watch them if there's Christians or if I'm looking at them to do some research, I, I, get, I get out of it if they go too far. And I say, you know what, I'm not going to use that excuse. It's research to be in this obscene garbage. Also, VidAngel is an app that I've told, told you guys about. I don't have any investment in that stock, but you can get it to take out words and, and uh, sex scenes and different things if you think a movie still has value. But it should not be obscenity. Foolish talk or coarse joking. See, here we learn in this sin list of Ephesians that we have to be careful about what our humor is. I remember one time some of the men here, we went to go see a movie, and uh, we weren't really paying attention to what it was rated, and I'm embarrassed that I went to it was rated R, but we thought it's a comedy. Within about uh, the first half hour, all the F-bombs, I said, man, we got to go. We just walked out of that movie. Can I hear an amen for that? You got to know when to walk out. See, even if it's funny and you're thinking to yourself, well, it's not going to be nudity and it's maybe not going to be witchcraft. But listen, if it's that coarse joking, if it's that obscene language, you got to get out of there. You got to turn it off. Nothing's worth your soul, which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now, notice this. Highlight this, please. For of this you can be sure. Highlight that phrase. Everybody say this with me. For the, of this you can be sure. Come on, say it again. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ and of God. Notice how serious the Bible is. You can be sure of this. And then notice what comes up next. Let no one deceive you with what kind of words? Empty words. Thank you. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And like I said in Romans, it's already coming on them now, but it's the seven signs of his wrath that will become later. So these, this kind of wrath is even coming on them right now with all the issues they're having. And then the Bible says, do not be partners with them. Now let's go back to Hebrews, please. Notice this. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. Now get this, because every time I talk about these sinless, what do people then say back to me? Well, I'll just be forgiven. I'll sin, I'll be forgiven. That's the deal that God and I will have. Notice in the scripture, you can fall short of that grace playing with God. You're not promised tomorrow to repent, nor are you promised the heart to repent. See, a lot of times people say, now I'll wait till later, but how do you know you'll have the heart to do it? Did you not know that the heart to repent comes from the Holy Spirit? Well, what if you grieve the Holy Spirit because now is the time that God wants you to repent, and then later you say, well, I'm going to do it, but the Holy Spirit's not there. There are people in the Bible, as we will learn about in just a few moments, that after they sinned the way they did as Esau, the Holy Spirit was not there to restore them. The Bible says that there's a day of repentance. There's a day of salvation. Today, the Bible says, is a day of salvation. And for some, even church kids, every church could look up at me. Your day could be right now, and if you don't live for the Lord, you could be the next one changing a tire, getting hit by a tire, meeting your maker. And let's just pray that Jason Jr. knew the Lord. Amen? Because some of you young people think you got other chances. Who promised you that? What mama promised you that? Because they were lying to you. I don't promise to that to my kids, especially now as we're going to go bury one of their friends. I'm teaching them right now, be ready to meet Jesus. Don't lie to me. Don't keep secrets. Don't go beating around the bush when we ask you to do something because the Bible says honor your father and mother, and teenagers are old enough to go to hell. Read your Bible. They're old enough to go to hell. Children aren't. Children are still under the uh, provenience of God's grace. He says that the children, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the children, but teenagers can face God's judgment. Amen? So, brothers and sisters, the Bible says you can fall short of the grace of God. 
Imagine that. I was using this illustration in the first service about how on June 19th, you know, a while back, uh, those people in Texas were keeping the slaves, and it took the military going back down there going, hey, hey, dum-dum, we've loosed these people. You let them go, we're going to put another bowling ball in your chest. Amen. How many are glad somebody did that? Right? I said, how many are glad they did it? Get them free. Get them out of there. Now, imagine during that time, June 19th, somebody goes, no, man, I want to stay here with Bubba. How many know whatever happens now between them and Bubba, that's that guy's fault? Anything that happened before that had nothing to do with that slave. That slave had nothing to do with how he was treated, his family was treated. But how many know now that they said, you are free, and he says, I still want to stay here. Could you imagine such foolery? I don't even think there's a story of ever anybody doing that. I'm not talking about partnering and, and sharecropping or something. I'm talking about literally staying, saying to a slave owner that has treated you as property, I want to stay as your slave. Come on, who in a right mind would do that? But now everybody get this. Sinners do that every time, and we've been there. Jesus comes to set us free, to get us out of slavery, and what do people do? They say, no, I want to stay here. We were just out preaching the gospel of Lollapalooza. What do they say? No, I want to stay here. What do they say? Well, they're aborting their children. No, I want to stay here. That's the folly of it. Do you, does everybody get that? That's the folly of it. And so the Bible says don't fall short of the grace of God. So if God is offering to forgive us as sinners, what are we doing refusing it? Does anybody here want to stay a sinner? Well, then receive the grace of God. If you stay a sinner from this point forward, whose fault is it? It's yours. The moment they came into Texas and they said, you let these men go, we're going to take, uh, kill every one of you. If anybody stayed as a slave at that point, it's their fault. If I go back to drugs, it's my fault. If I go back to pornography, it's my fault. Jesus set me free. Are you all listening to me? I don't know any slave today, especially right now, you see in sex trafficking. You know they had that movie come out about sex trafficking. Do you think there's any young child right now being sex trafficked say they still want to stay there? Do you think there's any person right now being kidnapped saying they still want to stay there? And yet, think about right now how the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And people hear the gospel, and they get mad at the one coming to set them free. The Bible says that there is a time where they'll call good evil and evil good. And that's the time that we're living in right now. That's why people can't even understand that they're under the bondage of the devil. And then when we come and preach to them, they get angry at us. What did Jesus say to sinners like this? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? There's a time that they said in, in, in the, the, the camps that they kept these people in that they got tortured so much they didn't know that they could leave. Their, mi their mind was broken. But how many know if your mind is right, you're going to get out of wherever you've been tortured? But they found out that some people can get so broken that their minds can get so tortured. Look it up. Matter of fact, just put it up there for them so they can see it on Wikipedia. That, that's, that's where I go, and I don't know what to, what to say. Okay, so since some of you guys didn't know this, I'm going to teach you from the scholarly source of Wikipedia. Anybody ever go here? Dr. Wiki. This is where I go sometimes. No, but I know what it's going to say because I've studied this. But I want you to see it up here because some of you are all looking at me like, well, who would be so broken to do that? People who have lost their identity. And this is why the world hates Christians, because they've lost their identity. They don't believe that the gospel is there to set them free. They believe that their slave master is the best thing for them. But how many know people in their right mind wouldn't stay with their slave master? How many know when those people in Texas were set free, they didn't want Stockholm Syndrome? They didn't have it. They said, get me out of here. Can I hear an amen? Brother, find it for me. Are you getting it? You got Dr. Wiki helping you out? Put it up there for me, please. As he's doing that, I'm going to continue on reading into Ephesians. For you once were darkness, but now you are children of the light. Now live as children of the light. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Notice this right here. 
Stockholm Syndrome is a, pros, is a proposed condition in which hostages develop a psychological bond with their captors. It is supposed to result from a rather specific set of circumstances, namely the power imbalances contained in hostages taking kidnapping and abusive relationships. Therefore, it's difficult uh, to define these people, uh, this and that. But this is what I'm talking about right here. This is this kind of syndrome that they've seen. Somebody say, Jesus set us free. Now, going back to the scriptures. This is why sinners stay there even when you're preaching to them because they haven't been set free in their mind. And for Christians right now to go back to that, you would have to be a fool to fall from the grace of God. How many are in your right mind right now? How many of you hate sin? Then never go back to it. And then the next thing that it says is don't let a bitter root grow up in you to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness in the church, bitterness in your marriage, bitterness in your family, bitterness in the world that you live in will cause you to defile many people. How many know that bitterness is at the root of Black Lives Matter uh, protests when they're going out there stealing all that stuff because it's bitterness in them? How many know that man who murdered three black people there what, was in Virginia? Was that Virginia? Uh, Florida. How many know that was bitterness in his heart towards what he saw black people doing? Come on. How many know people right now are divorced on their third marriage because they're still holding on to their first bad marriage? Somebody say bitterness defiles many. Look at the world that we live in right now. That's why some people still can't even accept me back into their lives since the COVID time because they're bitter that I didn't get a vaccine. They're bitter that I didn't follow the governor's orders. They don't think I was a good pastor during that time. I lost pastor friends because of that, and now they're bitter. Don't let bitterness defile you. Now notice this, verse 16. See that none or no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as his oldest son. And we talked about this last week. You can compromise your calling like Esau. He was hungry, and he gave up his inheritance for beans, for a, a bowl of beans, a soup there. You, can, you and I, if we're not careful, can give up our calling because we now want something in the moment. How many pastors have I seen give up their churches because they want to have an affair with the secretary? How many young people have I seen give up their purity because they want to have sex with their boyfriend because their boyfriend says, if you don't have sex, I'll leave? How many young adults have I seen give up the one that God has for them in marriage because they take the first one that comes along and says, I'll hang out with you? And they're lonely. How many people here today are reaping their godless decisions? And the Bible says, notice this, verse 17, afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, so now he wants it back, he was rejected even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what had been done. See, this is where the Bible will put the fear of God in you. There is not a promise of second and third chances for us here today. I just cannot state this enough. I ended yes, uh, last week's sermon on this, and so this is a review for you, and we'll get into the new sermon today. But I just want to make sure I just park here because I listened to it again last week, and I said, oh, God, that was good. We got to say it again. Many people think because the grace of God is free, and we noticed it's right there, and that the Bible says he loves us, and we know we've heard that in other scriptures, that for whatever reason, now people are thinking they can do what they want and get away with it. Notice the story of Esau, that afterward he wanted it. Does it say he wanted it right here, yes or no? Yeah, he wanted his what? His blessing, but it did not change anything. I remember we used to do uh, these human videos and skits and plays around Halloween time. Some of you remember them where we used to show people as they faced God's judgment, even as backsliders, and they would be begging Jesus to come back in. And Jesus says, depart from me, for I never knew you. 
I wonder how many people are going to face judgment day going, God, I, I was going to do it. God, I said I was. Boy, just give me another chance. Come on, God. I, I know what you said was right. I, I, I always knew. I just, I just didn't want to do it that day. Lord, I was going to do it the next day. I wonder how many in hell right now have the, have the fool's calendar tomorrow. Tomorrow is in nobody's calendar according to the Bible, my friends. The Bible says anybody who says, I got tomorrow, here it is. It's right here. The Bible says it's a fool. Now listen to me. Don't just think to yourself, this is the, 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 this is the kind of idiotic fool who's just wasting their whole life. No, no. Jesus gave a very specific parable and said there was a man who worked hard in his field every single day. And he would go to his storehouses and he would store up what he had. And he said to himself, in such and such a day, I'm going to enjoy all of this. Uh, let's get that scripture up. Nancy, help him, please, if you don't know. And it says, God said to him, you fool, your soul will be demanded from you today. Somebody say, you fool. Like Mr. T, I pity the fool, but I want the scripture to come up. God says, you fool. Now, before my financial planners and investors get upset, my dad was one of them. We're not here to be irresponsible. You better take care of your 401k. And the Bible says to have an inheritance for your children's children. But what he is calling foolish, what he is saying is a fool, is the one who thinks they're owed that next day the very next thing that they can have for themselves. But God said to him, you what? What did God say to him? You what? You fool, this very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Notice verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up for themselves but is not rich towards God. So you want to be rich in this world? That's okay. There's no problem with that. Make sure you don't err and hurt your soul. But if you're rich in this world, you better be richer in heaven. Does everybody get it? He doesn't say you can't have wealth because there's other parables where you gain wealth. There's other parables where you multiply. But what he is saying is if you are doing this for yourself on earth, but you're not doing this towards God, you are that fool. How many fools do we have in this culture today? Come on. How many people are thinking, man, I, I'm going to enjoy this. I got a lot of time to enjoy this. I'll get to this later. Please go back to our notes. You're doing great back there, my brother. We had a break from the karaoke screen. I'm sure these guys in the back were like enjoying that time. Amen. Right now, sweat's pouring down their face. And how do I keep up with this, man? Stockholm Syndrome, this thing right here. I had the other ones looking up Latin words and first service. Man, we had them going all over the internet. But notice what the Bible says. He wanted it. Esau wanted it. But it wasn't to be had anymore. One preacher said it like this, that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Did you all get that? Went over somebody, said, I'll say it again for you. The lifetime of the opportunity must be seized, or excuse me, the, op the, the uh, opportunity of a lifetime the opportunity of your lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. For the third time, for those who are Polish like me, in case you need help, I'll say it in Polish as my family used to say. No, but track with me here. Every blessing has an expiration date. Every promise has an expiration date. Some people say, well God, well, God said the gifts and callings of God are without reproach. Yes, that means God never takes them back, but that doesn't mean that they don't have an expiration date and a set of obligations that you must follow. 
In other words, it's not God who breaks the deal. It's you. It's God saying, this is my calling, this is my plan, and this is when I want it done. I'm not taking it away, but it's up to you whether or not you use it. As the other old saying goes, you either use it or you what? Lose it. And I wonder how many people are wandering around this world, going through their life from one thing to the next, and maybe even having success, but not storing up treasures for God, and then will be shocked on judgment day that their day was that day. The thing about getting old is you don't feel it until you stop and think about it. How many feel the age that you are right now? I don't. I don't feel 46 about ready to turn 47. I mean, sometimes I tease about my back or this or that, you know. But but I don't feel 47. I might feel 35, you know. Little, little you know, stiff at that. I don't feel 47. I mean, let's just be honest. And then you only really think about it for so long, right? And then do you think I counted every hair turning gray? No, it just, you know, kind of started. And then it just kept going. And then before I look at it, uh, before I notice it and I look at it again, there you go. Now I look back at pictures of myself the way I used to be, and I'm like, man, where did all that gray hair come from? How many lost their hair? Come on. And now you go, where did all that hair go? But you don't see it until it happens, right? How many have looked at pictures of their children? They go, where did all the time go? Because it goes by so fast. But what do most people in the world want to do? Get your mind off of that. Most people in the world don't want to think about how they're dying and how they're going to meet their maker. My dad lives in a retirement village, and I talked about it many times here, and he always uses the, you know, the entryway. Hey, where, where are you going to go when you die? Do you know what my, my dad's friends say in their 70s and 80s? Jim, I don't want to think about it. Bro, you're 80 years old. It's about time you think about it. And in one sense, they have, because if you ask them, you thought about your retirement. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought about that. That's how I moved here. I, I, it was always my plan to move to Florida. My, I always call it like this. My dad lives in the Disney world for, for senior citizens. Like, they got everything there. I mean, of course they thought about it. They saved up their money. They picked the Del Webb community that they liked. They made sure it had this many pools, this many golf courses, that, that it had the, you know, the, the pickleball, uh, paddleball, what do they call that thing? Is it pickleball? Yeah, they had the pickleball. Okay, but then let me ask you something, Bob. Have you thought about where you go after this? But they don't want to think about it. Because as I said, people always think I have tomorrow. But the old timers taught us well, tomorrow's in the fool's calendar. Don't believe it. Don't be like an Esau. Leave it all on this field. Amen? As the coaches used to say, leave it all on this field. When you get to heaven, you don't want to have God say to you, look at heaven and what I could have stored up for you here. Look at all the room that I had. Look at all the treasures that I wanted you to store up here. But you did not do it. Now here's your Burger King crown and go live down there over, over on Barely Get Along Avenue of Heaven. Sometimes people think, well, I'll just get to heaven and be happy. No, the Bible says you'll be happy, but you'll know that you got in there by the skin of your teeth. The Bible says some will get there just by simply missing hell. Others will get there and have great reward. Now, don't try to be so humble now where you say, well, I just, I just want to get there, and even if I'm the least in heaven. No, that's not what the Bible said. The Bible says store up those treasures in heaven. Why? Because what do you do with those treasures in heaven? Walk around like these rappers do now with all their bling, show off like these rock stars, all their hot cars and all that. No, no. What you do in heaven with your reward is you crown him with many crowns. When it's time to worship God in heaven, we'll know in those daily times of worship who gave their all to Jesus. 
When it's time, as I've said before, to crown him with many crowns, I want Angel Gabriel's help to come over there. Boop, boop, boop. Come on, guys, make room. We got to throw Joe's crown over there now. We got to get the angels to lower that crane. Why? Because I had to pastor many of you. No, half kid. I want the. <laughs> no, y'all the good ones. It's the ones today out with Rona that, I'm, that I get the gray hair for. No, but listen, when we get to heaven, I want a great crown to throw before his throne. Jesus, this is for you. Jesus, here's the souls that were one in your name. Jesus, here's the Bible studies. Come on, just think about it. That were done in my, in my family's house in your name. When my kids wanted to watch the TV show, we said, let's pause and put this on first. When we do our Bible studies at home, we, put, we have a screen share. And I say, put the Bible on the screen because I don't ever want anything bigger than Jesus in our house. Are you listening to me? When we pull out the Bible, we put it on the big screen. Now there's the Bible. That's what, we, that's what we're here for. I want to see the reward for that. I want to see the reward for you, brothers and sisters, coming faithfully to church, serving the Lord, giving tithes and offerings. What is it going to be like that day? I hope it's not going to be like Esau. I hope you're not going to be up there begging for more time. As one preacher said, that the old folks will come up there with their seashells that they collected by the seashore and say, here you go, Jesus, aren't these pretty? And they'll say, look at me. Jesus will say, look at me. I gave you all of that for my glory, and you wasted it. You didn't do anything for me, but you brought me some seashells. Where's the souls that I died for? What do you think Jesus is going to say on Judgment Day? Show me more of your seashells. Show me how you got good at pickleball. Show me how big your 401K is. Or do you think he wants you to fill it up with all the souls that you want? Amen. Would you go to Facebook, please, and put up Ocala for Jesus and my dad preaching in his retirement years. He didn't retire. He refired. I just want to say this last thing as I get to the message. This was the introduction. How many enjoyed it? That was review. Amen. We're going to verses 18 and onward for the moments we have less left. But this last one, I want to show you my mother and father, senior citizens. My mother's 80 years old. My dad's getting close to that. What is my dad's age? 76? 77? Thank you for remembering my beautiful son there. You're amazing. Sometimes I think my, grandkid, uh, my kids love uh, my parents more than I do. But we both love them in our own way. I think they love them so much because the grandparents just spoil them all the time. I still get in fights with my parents. Anybody an adult that still gets in arguments with their parents? <laughs> hey, man, I, it, was, it was funny because the other day I said that we were talking about parents and how they discipline us, remember, in the passage above this. And I said, I grew up with a family that, man, I got beat. I didn't just get disciplined. I got beat. And I told, talked about how my mom was crazy. And then she came into church the, last, the, the, the week after that. She said, I want to tell them why I was crazy. I want to tell them why I was crazy. You made me crazy. I was chill until you came into my life. No, but I ask, I ask my siblings, and they say, no, that's a lie. No, but I love you, mama. But here's my mom and dad. Here's my dad preaching Ocala for Jesus. Let's give it up for my father, not retiring but refiring. Let's show my 80-year-old mother. She's, uh, she was over there. Go back to that. She was behind there. My mom was right here praying for somebody. Amen. Keep on going. Let's see some more of these folks out there giving these old people a run for their money. Amen. These are some precious people. That, but go back. This is a precious person. That's my mother. Let's go back to this couple here. This young lady. Well, I say young lady, but uh, this, this sister right here. Amen. She's blessed in the Lord. She has cancer, but she still preaches the gospel with them. This brother's a former Vietnam vet who gave his heart to Jesus later on in life and beat addiction. He's out there. He's actually Puerto Rican. He always loves supporting us. If you've ever seen Brother Juan Ortiz, he's always out there with them. And then to show my mother here. 
She's the next one, brother, right there. There's my mom, 80 years old, leading people to Jesus. No excuses, amen? No excuses. Let's go back to the scriptures. Today's message is unshakable kingdom. How many are receiving an unshakable kingdom today? Amen. Hebrews 12, 18. Turn there with me in that same passage. He now says to us, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Brothers and sisters, I want you to think about this when you hear people mocking God. When they say only God can judge me, how many know that should scare the hell out of them? This is the God that's going to judge them. When God came down with what we would say the hand of the Lord, not his foot, not his boot, not the whole presence, when he just came down with his hand, he shook mountains, set that part of the world on fire, and made people so afraid that even the prophet Moses said, "Uh, boys, I'm afraid right now. That's what it was like when God came down. Now, the reason why I emphasize it like that is because you're going to have in just a few moments with this author, he is going to use a lesser to a greater analogy. He's going to say if they were to suffer punishment because of not receiving what they were being told on that mountain, how much more so will you and I be punished if we don't listen to Jesus? So everybody get this. When we think about our relationship with Jesus, we think about his mercy, we think about his grace, and then we go back to the Old Testament and we go, man, that was harsh, that was severe, there was stoning back there for Achan and his family, there was a Korah's rebellion where the earth split in two and they fell down into it, Miriam got leprous as she mocked and ridiculed Moses for marrying an Ethiopian and and, and criticized his decisions, and so we oftentimes look back at that is that's God as a meaning. That's God when he just got up in the morning. That's God before coffee. Now look at Jesus. Jesus is cooler than his father. See, the father was the one in the Old Testament, and now Jesus is the Fonzie of the New Testament. That's actually the opposite of the Bible. I want you guys to understand this. Everybody get this. That's actually the opposite. Not only is it full of errors, let me just correct it real quick. Jesus is there all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus is the death angel that goes to the Egyptian and kills their firstborn. That's Jesus. I can show it to you at another time. But it's Jesus who meets with, uh, with Abraham on the plains of Mamre before those boys go down and send, send down the fire and brimstone. But before they get it, it comes to Jesus first. The Bible says that the Yahweh on earth rained down fire and brimstone from Yahweh in heaven. How many have heard that scripture before? So before those angels could cast it upon them, it had to come through Jesus first as the conduit. That's the first error that has to be corrected. The other thing is that they didn't have grace and mercy. There was grace and mercy all throughout the Old Testament. Every time they sinned and God would forgive them and they lifted up a serpent and that bronze serpent. Remember, that's what's referenced in in John chapter 3. Jesus said, as that bronze serpent was lifted up, I'll be lifted up. And whoever looks to me will be saved. There was grace and mercy all throughout that covenant. And yet they despise the grace and mercy of God. So now correcting those errors, having done that, move forward. Notice what the scripture is going to say. But you have come 
to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is greater than uh, the, the earthly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. How many belong to that church? Amen. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made what? Perfect spirits made perfect. Remember that. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood, the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Remember, he was martyred by his brother Cain. Verse 25, now get it right here. Here it comes. You ready for it? Because most people would say, well, well Joe, that almost made the other point, doesn't it? I mean, it's not a mountain full of fire and, and an animal touches, it dies. It sounds like they're having fun in heaven. But no, watch how he ties it together. Heaven is actually more terrifying than Mount Sinai. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us in where? Heaven. At that time, his voice, notice this, at that time, same voice, the voice of Jesus, at that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised once more, I will not only shake the earth, but I will shake the entire universe, the heavens, hallelujah. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things. That's how we know heavens there refers to the universe. So that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably, watch this, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming what? Fire. Woo! Come on, somebody. Woo! That pushed the fear of God in me. Jesus is the the mediator of a new covenant. But the new covenant doesn't have less judgment than the first covenant. It has greater judgment. Did you see it? I said, did you see it? If you didn't, say, I didn't. I'll show it to you if you didn't. Look at it. He said at that time he shook the earth. When he shakes now the next time, what's going to happen? All the heavens. Greater judgment. The judgment that came upon Egypt was of one level. The judgment that's coming upon the earth is going to involve the entire heavens. Stars will be falling from the sky, the Bible says. Not just the Nile turning to blood, a third of all the drinkable water will be turned to blood. Are you listening today? Brothers and sisters, if they didn't listen to Moses as the mountain shook, there was punishment. Now if they don't listen to Jesus, the entire world is going to be devastated. What does that make you want to do? Well, that makes me want to worship him. Will I worship him like how I just saw um, Kurt Franklin worshiping him in tight leather pants, gyrating his pelvis? Did anybody else see that? He was, I'm not even going to do the motions he was doing, but that was supposedly worship. I'm not going to be worshiping Jesus in tight leather pants like that. I'm going to be worshiping like this in reverence and to awe. We need to understand our God is a consuming fire. Think of it like this. The fire of his love is also the fire of hell. It's just the decision to what side you're on is yours. Sometimes we used to think as preachers that the fire that burns in hell is different than the fire that burns for us. But as you study the scripture, the Bible says everybody will be salted with fire. Everybody. 
And the more you hear these scriptures, our God is a consuming fire. And let's turn there, Deuteronomy 4.24, as the keyboardist comes, please. You will notice that it's the same fire. It's not like out of one hand he sends fire of judgment, and then out of another hand he sends fire of love. It's the same fire. The same fire that makes him loving is the same fire that makes him holy. The same fire that makes him just is the same fire that makes him merciful. The same fire that makes him king makes him lamb. It's his nature. The very nature of God is fire. To our understanding, notice that it's lim- we're limited how far we can take the fire example, but to our limited understanding, when he brings up the example, we are to take it serious. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. This is the scripture that made Oprah Winfrey turn to New Age to go to buffet religion. Well, I'll only go so far with the Bible now because that's, you know, I can't get down with that. That's a, that's a petty God. She said, a jealous God? That's a petty God. No, this is a righteous God. We often think to ourselves jealousy only in the negative. Just like we only think of serpents in the negative because they were cursed to be on their belly. But Jesus says, be as wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And the same thing is with jealousy. Paul said, I have a godly jealousy for you. You're cheating on God, and I'm jealous about that. Go to, uh, open up the second tab there, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, just so you can see Paul saying the same type of thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, please. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Remember we talked about this in Stockholm Syndrome, that you can get so abused and so used to sin that you think that's who you are when nobody in their right mind would ever do it? For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit, well, I'm spiritual. You better be careful with those spirits. Or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. This puts the fear of God in me, that even Christians can be deceived by a different gospel. Even Christians could be deceived by a different spirit. There was one woman that was saying on on this show, I heard, uh, I think Lila Rose talked to her on another show. It was an only fan, and she says, "I, I used to be a Catholic, a Christian, pure, conservative, but now I make money for my family doing this. And you know, the same type of stuff. Well, how do you feel? And it was all, I feel good. I feel great. I'm closer to God than I've ever been type stuff. Do you know why they feel that? Because those spirits give them that false assurance. Not everything that is spiritual is godly. There are false spirits that you can receive. There are false visions of Jesus you can receive. When Joseph Smith received his first vision, he said he met Jesus Christ. You didn't meet Jesus. You met an angel who came in the form of an angel of light. You met a fallen angel, and they can take on different forms. You see how Paul said, I have a godly jealousy. Go up there. He was jealous about how they had turned away from God to the things of this world. Now, going back to our passage here, the Bible says that he's a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. Oprah, you need a God like that. 
You, every woman in here, you need a husband that doesn't want to share you. Can I hear an amen? Well, he's jealous all the time. You should be happy that he's jealous of you if it's in a godly way. Because he doesn't want you to give your affection to another man, women. And women, if you, uh, men, if you have a woman that's jealous of you in a godly way, you should want that woman in your life. Because you don't want a woman that lets you go wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do, look at you, have on your phone, whatever you have on your phone. Oh, I didn't know godly, I didn't know jealousy could be godly. Oh, yeah, that's why you go to church. That's why I study, amen? See, sometimes people don't understand what the Bible's saying, then they get easily offended by it. No, you need to understand the scriptures. The Bible says this, this consuming fire that God has will either purify you, it will make you holy, shake out all the bad of your life, or it will shake you up into hellfire itself. But there's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. The blood of Jesus that is better in the new covenant than the old covenant comes with a higher expectation. And it comes with a higher judgment. Starting with me, the preacher. The Bible says those who teach ought to be very careful because they will be judged more severely. That's why sometimes I see people leave the church, go start their own church. And it's not that we don't want to see new churches start. It's just not the way they started it. And I look at them and I go, it's only a few years before this thing turns into a catastrophe. And then they hurt the people with them. And then I got to meet those people on the streets. Well, I used to go to a church, but this guy touched my butt all the time and made out with my wife. And then this one stole the money. Yeah, most of these pastors weren't even qualified to begin to hold the microphone. Anybody right now can hold this mic in a karaoke bar, but it ain't the same. You're not the same as me. Many of you here are not even close to qualified. Are you listening? I don't say that to boast in anything but the Lord. Yeah, you can grab a mic, stand on a karaoke stage, but I don't mean you can sing like Whitney Houston. The Bible says those who preach here better show their lives to be approved. As great as my, my gift, I'm not saying you don't have a gift I, as me. As great as my gift could be, there could be people in this church that have that ga same gift. But many do not have the qualification that I had to have to be here. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And if I boast in anything, I boast in Jesus. Holiness, as we learn, belongs to the Lord. I'm just not fighting against it. I'm receiving it. And so sometimes I hear people tell me, man, I know just like you know, man, I know the Bible. I can preach like you. But you don't live like me. Your wife's not like mine, being holy and true to a marriage. Your children aren't serving God like mine. I'll always put my life against those sassy saints. Are you listening to me? Put my life to your life, apples to apples, not apples to pineapples. Apples to apples, my life, my testimony, my family, all this. God, 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 God did it. Pastors and preachers better take that serious. I would rather preach to a small church that respects me as their pastor and to a big church that thinks I'm the next uh, entertainer. You understand what I'm saying? If I believe for 100,000, I want this church to grow. This brother can start a church anytime he wants, by the way. Just to let you know, there are people just as qualified as I was when I started my first church. This man's one of them. He can start anytime. But it's something how the ones with the right heart wait for the right time. So is Rudy and others. They, they wait for that right time because together we want to do something great for God. But he knows he can go at any time and be blessed. But I hear it from the ones that don't live like him, don't have a marriage like him, don't have their family like him, and they, they want to say they can do what he does. No, you can't. You can't. And not many of you here are ready yet. And many of you will want you to get ready by going to your 101 and 201 and stop using the example, uh, you know, the excuse rather, uh, well, you know, I, well, Pastor even said not many of us are qualified, so I'm just going to stop trying. No, get off your butt and do something for God and be great for God. 
Amen? Stop going through the 101 and 201 for three and four or five years, man. I wrote that book in my 20s. Some of you are in your 50s and 60s. Let's get it done and get you working for Jesus now. Amen? Let's get you working for Jesus. Because I'll tell you what, God will set your life on fire so the world can watch you burn if you let him. That same love is the same fire of judgment. Those who are in hell are feeling that, that, that fire of God, but because they never had the filter of Jesus, they get it in its force of wrath. But remember on the cross, Jesus stood between us and the Father's wrath that we justly deserved. So when that fire comes, it comes through the grace and mercy of Jesus. But if you've rejected Jesus, you have no grace and mercy. You only get the full atomic weight of that fire. Is anybody listening to me? They're filtering nuclear power and energy. And please don't be so nerdy with me and catch me in something I'm, I'm wrong in because I, I guarantee you I'm going to be wrong in something now. But follow me here. We harness fire, don't we? We use fire for good. We harness atomic energy, nuclear power. But if you don't harness it the right way, you don't do it the right way, you will have a Chernobyl in your backyard. It's the same power. Is our God changing his standards because they have in, in Hollywood? Is God changing his standards because some pastor down the road now said, we don't do discipleship, we just do family services, you know, uh, summer at the movies? Brothers and sisters, I don't know how we could read a passage like this and not take it as serious as I'm trying to right now. I take this so serious. I worship God with reverence and in awe. I take serious my job as your pastor. I'm trying to get you ready for a shaking that's coming down. I don't want you to be like an Esau where you stand before God and you say, I wasted all my time, God. I gave my, 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 my life to my job and to, to my kids, but I never gave it to your kingdom. Is my dad a good husband? Yeah, but he's still giving his, life to his, giving his life to the kingdom. Is he a good grandfather? The best, but he still gives his life to God's kingdom. Don't you dare tell me. And I have some people say this. They say to me, well, I can't give God all that much. That is a devil's lie. Why well, can't give God 201 or 101? Listen, if our church schedule does not work with you, go find one that does. But you better stop making that an excuse around here. Can I hear an Amen. I'm just being serious. Well, you know, my schedule, my schedule, my schedule. Well, then find a church that works for you. Because we got a job to do, brothers and sisters. Do you notice this, this, this passage says to us, right here, just scroll up just a little bit, please, that we have come to this, Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, angels waiting to be beckoned on our call, as Hebrews says, they're ministers on our behalf, servants of fire, ministers of fire to the firstborn. Our names are written in heaven that we, we, we have God on our side. We're, we're righteous spirits. We're, we're in a covenant. We're sprinkled with blood. How dare we not go tell the world, get ready, get ready. My, my, my God who's a consuming fire is coming back. Get ready. Get ready. Preachers, get right with God. Preachers, get right with God. Churches, get right with God. I was standing out yesterday with a pastor. He's a pastor downtown. And we were out there in front of the abortion clinic. And I was teaching him how to do. And he was a, a man that was older than me. And I want you to see what he wrote me because he was so impressed with Juan and the team. And, 
And I just was spending some time with him. And it's all God be the glory. But I just want you to see what he wrote me. He said, thank you for giving those dates to me because I was telling them the other times that I was going out there. He said, it was great to meet you today and to participate with everything. Thank you for showing me the ropes. I'm believing God with you for a spiritual revolution in the city of Chicago. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I wonder how many more pastors need to humble themselves like that and say, okay, Pastor Joe, we could probably show you guys a few things. You know, Joe, we'll, Joe, we'll come here and we'll spice this up for you. We'll get you a different, uh, you know, different uh, projector. And maybe we'll get some lights. Here's my thing. We're never doing the smoke show on Sundays. If the Holy Ghost ain't showing up in glory, we ain't putting no smoke up here. Are you listening to me? I look at some of these worship leaders trying to fake the funk with that smoke machine. I don't care how big we get. I don't care if my son's the pastor or TJ's the pastor. Don't you ever allow them to put that smoke machine up there on a Sunday service. They can do it for the youth. They can do it for a concert. But not on Sunday while we worship it. I feel the glory. Oh, the glory around here. Some of them are going to say, well, it helps with the lights. I don't care if it helps with the lights. We are not putting fake smoke in the church. <laughs> what are we doing here? Oh, this is the smoke of the Lord. No, it's not. Not putting that stuff in there. But you see what we got? This is what we have. And yet there are churches that I know in this city that we try to reach out to. God have mercy. Man, I try to talk to them. I try to reach out to them. And I, I tell them we'll meet in their church. We'll, we'll bring our team to their church. I don't care where we go. You pick the spot. And they still don't come. Our God's a jealous God, man. He's a consuming fire. What are we doing? What are we? He's given us all of this. This is, but you have this. This is what we have. We have Mount Zion. We have God. We have streets of gold waiting for us. That's why the seashells don't matter from the seashore. He's got streets of gold for us. And yet we won't go to the streets and the highways and byways and say, are you ready? Are you ready? There's a shaking coming. Our God is a fire. The purging is coming. Our God is going to judge the earth. Are you ready? Are you ready? And then when people look at us, just if you scroll down and close in your band, would you come quickly? When people look at our preaching so often, they say, you know, you know and I know TJ's passionate, and they, they listen to us preach, and they go, why do, you, why do you guys talk about heaven and hell and judgment? Why don't you just help the kids, you know, tell them to do better in school and tell them to, you know, uh, obey their parents, you know, just those kinds of things. We go out in front of high schools. One of our reviews on Google is a funny one, too. It says, they go out to the high schools, and they talk about hell, and they tell the kids that they're going there and this, this, and that. What do you want me to tell the teenagers of Chicago? Do you think if I went to any other part, I think we're so used to it, we're numb. Do you think if I went to any other city in America and said, I'm, I'm taking notes as a pastor of what I should say to young people in Chicago. Do, do you think people in, in other cities would say, just tell them they're awesome people doing great and keep it up, kids. I've, I've been in Ubers in Texas, and I told them, where are you from? Because you ain't from around here. I'm from Chicago. Oh, I feel sorry for you. Come on, let's be honest. I hear it all the time. We are reproached in this nation. 
And then this person's writing. They go to these high schools and they tell them about this. At least I'm not telling them to cut off the working parts of their body like Mr. Potato Head and try to pretend to be something that their genes say they're not. At least I'm not trying to tell them in sex ed class how to have homosexual sex. At least I'm not like their rock stars that have blood satanic seances in the middle of their concerts. At least, I mean, come on, somebody. You got people being invited to the White House who are satanic, full of witchcraft. You've got people coming on our airwaves, being public speakers to our young people who are living the most perverse lives. Sometimes I'm out there on the streets and they say to me, you guys are just, you're just so intense, you're so intense. You remember those shows I was telling you about, those podcasts? This is the normal behavior of our children. They're watching this. They're watching these adults do these things. They're watching these movies. They're playing the video games. The only difference between our children and these adults is they're just not the ones that are the biggest at it yet. But they're, but, but they're promoting it to our children, in other words. Our children want to be like this rock star, this rapper, this entertainer, this video game, this thing. Our kids are playing, you know, Grand Theft Auto, where you get to beat and rape and do whatever you want. And then they tell us in front of these high schools, Oh, you guys are too intense. What do you want me to tell a generation who has forgotten God? I remember one time we were out there. It was at um, Taft High School. And we were preaching. And the first day we got out there, and we need to get back out there, Lawrence. We're starting up September 8th, I believe, is our first one. He's going to put them up on uh, Chicago for Jesus Facebook page. So if you want to join us. We'll be going to second and fourth Fridays, second and fourth Fridays until the weather gets cold. And we got to go back out there to Taft. I know it's going to be a little different in our schedule, but we need to go out there. And uh, we have an open mic. We would set it all up. The, uh, the stage comes down. If you don't know, we have a gospel truck stage comes down. We stand on the stage by the sidewalk, and then we put the microphone across from us. This was our standard way, and they could ask any question. And the first time that we went out there, TJ, you remember... They were grabbing that microphone, just mocking God, being vulgar. And the ones that were being the most vulgar were from the gay alternative community. And there was one guy, I wish I remembered his name, but I, I, I forget his name, but I remember him grabbing it. And, and I was like, well, then you'll go to hell. I said it to somebody. We, we try not to mention hell too much because then they'll start singing songs like, highway to hell. They'll like, take it to a whole other level. So we try to like reserve it for the time it will make the most sense. Otherwise, they just take it as a joke because, you know, they're kids. They don't care. They think that hell will be fun. So he said something like, man, I'm going to hell. I want to go to hell. And I'm like, no, you don't. You do not want to go to hell. That fire of God is going to hurt. The devil doesn't even want to go to hell. So he said, uh, you know, some of those things, and then he left. But then God is my witness as these brothers are up here, TJ and Lawrence. When we came back, that same crew came back too, didn't they? And then they were kind of like, well, we already did our, our cursing, our yelling, our blaspheming, and they came back. So I guess that kind of got old. So then they actually started asking some sincere questions. And then we started answering them for them. A couple weeks go by. One of them from the group says, I want to come to church with you. We then brought her to church as she got permission from her parents with us as we left the block. I was 
leaving then in my car as youth service was starting, and I saw her walking with the youth down the street to go witnessing before the service. She was part of the group that was mocking us when we first came out there. And then at the end of that school year, what did we bring out for them, Lawrence? Pizza. And we blessed them, and they started hanging out with us. Now, I wish I could have said they all became saved. But you know what happened? Everybody think about it. The fire of God's wrath, as they humbled themselves, turned into the fire of God's love. Started consuming them. How many used to be a God hater, but now you're a God lover? I'm the only one. Come on, how many used to be a God hater? Let's be honest. You hated what God offered you. You didn't want anything to do with it. Some of you were the nice sinners. I get it. You still went to Catholic church. You hung out with Father Tom. You guys were cool and all that. But I'm talking about some of us were just some sassy sinners. We didn't want anything to do with God. How many, once again, were like me? Let's be honest. Some in this church, you did not like God. You didn't want anything to do with God. But how many now love Jesus? Oh, you got the video, man of God? Come on up here, man of God. That's him right there. That's the girls, too. Would you go share it with uh, him to put it up in closing? So what's the difference? How do you go from being shook in a good way, being set on fire in a good way, or being shook in a bad way, getting set on fire in hell? Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God, and he is speaking to us right now. He is telling us what is coming. He is helping us to get through our troubles, and he's wanting to set us on fire for him. And he's wanting us now to shake out all the junk in our life. Some of you who became a Christian, and then all of a sudden you notice that your life went into turmoil. Well, the reason why that is, is because God's shaking the junk out. Well, it's, it's so hard because I used to get along with everybody, and now I don't. Yeah, God's shaking out your people-pleasing. Well, I used, to, I used to have a close relationship with this person, and it's not as close as it used to. Yeah, because God's shaking them out of, their li- out of your life if they don't want God. Oh, yeah, I, I used to be able to do whatever I wanted, and I didn't have any trouble with it. Yeah, God's shaking that sin out of your life because now it feels like a pebble in your shoe, and you've got to get that shoe and shake it out. That attitude, you've got to shake it out. That depression, you've got to shake it out. It, it don't feel like it used to. Father, I pray for you to set this generation on fire. I pray, God, for a holy fire to come on this land. Would you pray with me right now for anyone or any group of people that you want to see on fire for Jesus before we leave out of here? And if you yet don't know him, you can repent of your sins even now before we close out. While you're seated right now, make this an attitude of prayer. Lord, I pray for the fire to come on these young people. I pray for a fire to come on this generation. I pray for a shaking, oh Lord, a shaking, Jesus. Shake up the politics. Shake up our schools. Shake up our families, God. Shake up Belmont and Clark, Jesus. Shake us up, Jesus. Set us on fire. Set us on fire, Jesus. Set us on fire, Jesus. Before the fires of hell, come, oh God. Set us on fire with the fires of love. And all-consuming fire.
your our hearts desire flame up would you begin to stand up and worship with us as we get ready to dismiss altar workers would you come we're going to keep praying but worship as you pray come on all consuming fire consuming fire lord we pray for our nation we pray for our families I pray for my children. I pray, oh Lord, for this church. Set us on fire, Jesus. Come on, one more time, and then we'll dismiss in prayer again. Come on, all consuming fire. All consuming fire. Father, as we get ready to dismiss, I pray that those who need prayer will come forward. Even as I'm praying now, if you don't know Jesus or you want to get closer to him, please come on up. Lord, I pray for this church that will be a church that's on fire, that you'll shake out all of the pebbles, all of the dross, all the junk out of our life, that you'll set us on fire for your love, and that, Lord, we won't refuse what you have for us. You have holiness for us, God. You have a new life for us. A spirit made perfect and righteous. May we not refuse you. May we accept you. Live for you all the days of our life until we see you face to face. Oh, burning one. Oh, holy one. Oh, God of the ages, King of kings and Lord of lords. Have your way in our lives. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for coming. But let's worship as we close out. Feel free to leave or stay. It's up to you. We call this the after party. Some are already receiving prayer, but there's still time for more. Otherwise, be 